break from the life of Moses and do a little on Nehemiah. Uh, by the way, I, I, I was afraid I wouldn't be able to speak tonight, I mean today, after screaming all night at this boy band thing in Hershey. Uh, it, uh, I think their name is Five Seconds of Spring, which is longer than their career should have lasted. And uh, uh, anyway, I'm reading from Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Nehemiah had a calling. He had a vision. He had a purpose that absolutely energized his life. His calling was to help restore the walls and the gates of Jerusalem and rebuild the city. His calling was to help rebuild the temple and teach Israel how to worship again. His calling was to bring back together the people of God to serve their God as one. His calling was to bring Israel back home. A man went to a doctor with a mysterious complaint. Doc, can you help me? He said, everywhere I touch, I experience severe pain. I take my finger and touch my knee and it hurts. I take my finger and touch my shoulder and I'm in agony. I take my finger and touch my head and pain shoots through me. What's wrong with me? And the doctor looked at him and replied, it looks to me like you have a broken finger. If you got a broken finger, it doesn't matter where you touch, does it? It hurts everywhere. If we lack purpose and vision in our lives, individually and corporately, there is something wrong with everything we touch. There's something missing. There's the pain of incompleteness, the hurt of meaninglessness, the lack of fulfillment. Everything hurts when certain things are broken. We were never meant to be like gerbils that run around in tubes and pinwheels going nowhere. We were made for something great. We were made to love God. We were made to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We were made to be transformed into the image of the living Christ. We were made to change humanity itself. We were not created to live gerbil lives. I know one preacher who talked to a husband whose marriage was hurting. He was constantly tired and edgy to his wife and kids, and the reason was simple. He was holding down two jobs and not getting enough rest, and so he was cranky. The reason he was working so hard was because he needed the money to pay off the two new cars he and his wife had bought. When the preacher asked him why he had to have two new cars, the exhausted husband explained they were absolutely necessary so he and his wife could have reliable transportation to work. And when the preacher asked why this husband thought it was necessary for them both to work, he answered, how else would we have enough to buy two new cars? My brothers, and do you see that? You know, we work for the cars. We need the cars to go to work. We work for the cars. That is gerbil talk. That is pinwheel existence. That's going round and round for nothing. 
Let me ask you, do you know what you're living for this morning? Because the question isn't primarily, how do you make a living? It's how are you making a life? It's not primarily about where you work or where you live or how you make money or whether you're single or married or whether you have kids. It's what do you do after those things? How you live is much more important than where you live. What you are is much more important than what you make for money. When God made you, He had significance in mind. He meant for your life to have importance. And that hinges on your understanding of why you're here. It hinges on your understanding of your purpose for being here. Nehemiah understood his purpose. God's purpose for your life, by the way, isn't centered on how easy it's going to get. It isn't uh, to make piles of money or have a nice house. We are called to a purpose, and there are certain universal purposes. The universal purpose is to pursue Christ's kingdom, Christ's values, Christ's presence, Christ's priorities. Purpose is about what we chase in life. What do you build your life around? It's about whose agenda is getting followed, yours or his. When the famous artist Whistler, remember the painting Whistler's Mother? Was at, when he was at the pinnacle of his artistic career and he was world famous, a wealthy patron bought one of his paintings on the condition that Whistler would accompany him home and select the perfect spot for hanging the picture. And after they arrived at, the main, at this man's palatial home, the man held up the painting in a number of sites going, how about here, how about here, how about here? They couldn't find the right spot. Finally, Whistler said this, we're going about this all wrong. What we must do is remove all the furnishings from this room hang the painting where it will be best displayed, and then arrange the furniture all around the painting. That's what we're supposed to do with Jesus. Most Christians are going about the business of living all wrong. We just want God to be another painting in the house, just another piece of furniture in there. But purpose starts for every Christian when Christ is the center when He is the thing we build our lives around, everything else has to be built around Him. Purpose starts when we realize it's not just about us anymore. It starts when we realize we are called beyond ourselves. Think about it. How much of what we hear or read, even in church, even in Christian circles, never takes us beyond ourselves? Never lifts us, even a moment, from the focus of me or us or mine. Best-selling Christian books almost always focus on how to solve our marital problems or manage our money or raise our kids or get our miracles or feed our souls. In and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. In fact, they're vitally important. And as Christians, we should know how to, from a Christian point of view, parent and be married and all those things. But there has to be a balance. There has to be something in our personal agendas that takes us beyond our personal agendas. There has to be something about what we value that we join Christ at some point in saving the world. 
We have to connect to the world on His behalf. Real Christianity comes when we engage the world with all that we are where we are. In the book, The Moth, by uh, Ellie Lee, she talks about her life growing up. She was of Chinese, she, of Chinese descent, and her father, Ming, started a grocery store. He was a Chinese immigrant, first generation, and he built up this grocery store. And he said, she said that one day, a nine-year-old boy came into Ming's store and began shoplifting, and he wasn't very good at it. He, was, he just was blatant about it. And he said, Ming saw him, he saw him a mile off, he started following the boy who didn't know he was a store owner as he went on with his brazen thievery. And then the boy, again, you can tell he was an amateur, he took all his stolen stuff, sat down in the middle of the aisle and started eating the food he had just stolen. Ming watched him. When it seemed the boy had eaten enough, he asked him, are you full, son? Almost, said the nine-year-old boy. Where are your parents? They work. Why aren't you at home? There's no food there, and I am so very hungry. My friend, Ming said, I own this store. You have just stolen from me, and that's not a good thing. I don't want you doing that again. Do you understand? The boy, frightened, nodded, okay, I won't. What I'm asking is this, said me. Whenever you, you're hungry, you come right in here and you tell me. And I will make sure you have enough to eat. For years, Ming fed this boy. For years, he made sure he was not malnourished. For years, he made, made sure his little friend ate well, no matter how his parents were doing. That, my friends, is the kingdom breaking into this world. That is the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. I see a lot of people, you know what I've discovered about a secular world? A lot of people in a secular world have absolutely no interest in coming to church. They consider us irrelevant and judgmental and out of touch. But here is one way we can connect with people. There are people that come into our lives who are already stumbling around the kingdom of God and they don't know it. There are lots of non-Christians and non-church people, even in Harrisburg, who care about the homeless. They care about single mothers. They care about malnutrition and illiteracy. They care about ending racism and a hundred other things. And guess what? God cares about this too. His kingdom speaks to all of this. We can reflect the care of the kingdom to these people. We can bring the kingdom to people who care about kingdom things even though they don't know they're caring about kingdom things. And at that point, we can connect with them. Because you see, the kingdom of God is where Christ is operating through us. We take the kingdom with us. Isn't that what Jesus said? They asked him, where's the kingdom? And Jesus said, don't say it's here. Don't say it's there. The kingdom of God is within you. You are a kingdom carrier. Hallelujah. We take the kingdom wherever we go. 
We are called to be salt and light, to infiltrate the world at our jobs, at our schools, at our neighborhoods, in our city. And then, because we are there, they are to catch a whiff of the kingdom as we cooperate on kingdom agendas that they don't know is the kingdom agenda. We are to be ready to articulate to those around us what is happening, that the kingdom of God has come into their midst. And we are to ask them, would you like to meet the king of the kingdom at some point? You are already interested in kingdom stuff. Would you like to know more? Would you like to join the kingdom? You're dancing all around today. Real Christianity comes when we engage the world with all that we are where we are. You see, Ming knew his purpose. And guess what? His purpose was not making that maximum profit. His perfect purpose was not protecting his property. His purpose was not to be successful as the world defines, to su- defines success. His purpose was to bring the kingdom to a hungry nine-year-old boy. That's what his purpose was. And do you think after years of feeding this kid, this kid was open to the message of the kingdom from Mr. Ming? This is what Jesus told us we were to do. Do you remember? When he said, you're the light, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine before others. How do you let your light shine before others? Jesus was very specific about it. He said that they may see your good works or your good deeds, your acts of compassion, your acts of generosity, and when they see how well you treat people where you are, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. Remember, when Jesus said shine in your light, he didn't say a word about talking or tracks or, or buttonholing people and going, do you know Jesus? He said, how do you glorify your Father in heaven? Through loving, compassionate, good works that reflect the heart of God and the kingdom into the world. Hallelujah. And then that opens up the possibility of evangelism. Do you have a listening ear? Does somebody need a listening ear where you're at in life? Do you have a loving touch? Is there somebody lonely who needs to be touched in your life? Do you have the capacity for hospitality? Can you make steaks and chocolate pies and and win over people? Can you make a meal for a family or a neighbor in need? Can you carry the kingdom into those situations? I know of a church that washes windows and changes screen doors for the elderly every fall. I know another church that fixes cars for single moms, widows, and the elderly who cannot pay for the maintenance of their own cars. I know a church in Texas that takes single parents away for long weekends to rest and recreate with child care provided. As carriers of the love of God, our place of employment should have a better atmosphere because we are there. That's what light does. As carriers of the love of God, our neighbors ought to see at least a little difference in our attitudes about life as opposed to theirs. They should go, there's something different about these people. They're not preaching or whatever. I don't know why they're different, but they're different. And at that point, we're supposed to have an answer for the hope that resides within us. Is that not what Paul says? 
Yeah, I know a church that, you know, they, 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 have, they, have, they teach little girls computer programs with the teacher having blue hair. They have, they, 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 you know, they, 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 do, they partner with somebody and do taxes for people who've been getting ripped off by tax preparers and now they're getting them done for free at a church. I know a church that does that. I know a church that feeds the hungry. I know a church that has a medical clinic for people who make too much to get the free stuff down at a Hamilton clinic, but, but they don't have enough to pay for health insurance and they get lost in the system and there's a, there's a clinic they can go to. Hallelujah. Do you see the difference we can make? Even with the gas station attendant or the bag boy at the grocery store. Authentic Christianity is not just about protecting the faith and keeping the rules. It's about engaging our world with acts of love that show off Jesus to believers and non-believers alike. The great evangelical writer Carl F.H. Henry wrote, Can we take the holy initiative in history? Can we put, put an ungodly world on the defensive again? Can we show human beings the folly of opposing Jesus and rejecting fellowship with the coming king? Will we offer civilization a realistic alternative or only a warning of impending doom? Will Christianity speak only to people's fears and frustrations or will it also fill the vacuums in their hearts and crown their longings for life at its best? See, that the world sees us as just going bad, 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 Judgment, we are to offer them an alternative radical community that says, come join us and experience life at its best. Lovers of Jesus, we're to show the world precisely that wherever we are. Chuck Colson, who's gone to be with the Lord, and that, you know, boy, I wish he was still around. He was such a prophet. He said that, a young woman stopped him in the airport and said, Mr. Colson, I admire the work that Prison Fellowship is doing. She said, I'm a believer, and I wish I could be in full-time Christian service like you. What is it you do, Colson asked. Well, I'm still in school, she said. I'm finishing up my doctoral work in molecular biology. That's what I was doing before God called me. I had planned to teach full-time. And she said, I love it. I love teaching this stuff. But lately I realized I should do more for my Lord. My parents were actually missionaries. I'm thinking of going to Brazil as a missionary and dropping my doctoral work. And Colson said, you're in a tremendous position to be a missionary right where you are. He said, how many Christians are there who are molecular biologists? He said, the university needs people like you, especially in teaching positions. And by the way, nothing could be truer. Nothing is forming more the attitudes of many young people, millions of young people in our world now today than the university system and its political correctness run amok. We need Christian professors in secular institutions. She looked relieved, even excited as it sank in. She could be a missionary right where she was. Thousands of Christians, Colson says, suffer from the same kind of false understanding of vocation and a parallel understanding of how God places particular people in particular places in every arena to be salt and light. You 
are to bless people where you are. In 17th century London, there was a revival going on. And someone painted a billboard with a picture of a tailor, a cook, a porter, a blacksmith, and a saddle maker. And the inscription read, These tradesmen are the preachers in the city of London, 1647. Can they say that about us? That no matter where we are, we are the bringers of the gospel. We are the bringers of the kingdom. Wherever we are, 2016. Some of you are going, well, what do we do? How do we do it? Listen, it starts in, I'm not going to make this hard. I don't think Jesus made it hard. The first thing you do is you pray where you are. You pray for the people around you. You pray that God will put his love in your heart for them and that you will care for them like he cares for them. Pray that. And then pray that God will give you insight into who they are and what makes them tick and where are their burdens in life so that you can speak into those burdens and minister into those burdens. Pray that God will give you creative solutions and wisdom. Pray that God will, that, that you will become attractive to this person. And that this person will want what you have. Does that sound like it's doable? Pray for people. Pray for Christ's heart. Figure out how to love them. Figure out how to love them creatively. And then have an answer for when they ask, Why are you loving on me like this? Can you do that? That's the way Jesus said, do it. I do know this, in order to be God's salt and light, and this is very important for Christians in North America, in order to be God's salt and light, we cannot forget who we are. We are God's radical counterculture. Nehemiah never forgot who God was, even in Persia. He never forgot who Israel was, even in Persia. He never forgot who he was, despite not only being in Persia, but being treated well in Persia. He was a favorite of King Xerxes. King Xerxes was the one that said, yeah, you go on down and rebuild Jerusalem. They treated him well. But Nehemiah never forgot his chosenness. That's why Nehemiah went back to restore Jerusalem. It was central to his purpose. His home was Jerusalem, not Persia. His family was Israel, not the worshipers of false gods. His Lord was Yahweh, not Xerxes, the head of the Persian Empire. By the way, on the 4th of July, I think it's pretty important that we remember that too, don't you? Ultimately, America is not our home. Isn't that what the spiritual says? This world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through. I got news for you. Jesus is not American or British or French. He's certainly not, I was going to say uh, Canadian, but I don't want to say it that way. We got, forgive me all uh, from north of the border. But anyway... You have got to remember who your identity is in order to have a purpose in life. You've got to remember who you are. And I know far too many people who equate being a good American with being a good Christian, and they are not the same thing. You know, so often, so often, 
what Christians think is their witness is, I'm just not going to bother anybody. I'll just be a good person and not bother anybody. We are called to bother people. Not in a negative, obnoxious way. We are called to bother them with love and an alternative community. We are called to bother them with good works and acts of compassion. But we are not supposed to get in some hole in the ground and pray for Jesus to come and get us. Please remember your identity. You see, I love this country, but there's another kingdom I love more. And I love democracy, but the, where I'm putting all my eggs in the basket is not a democracy. It's a monarchy. It's a king that's coming, the king of kings and the lord of lords. I don't put my hope in, an, in a politician that's elected, especially what's going to happen after this November. God help us all. My eggs are in the basket of the kingdom that is here now and is coming and will come forever. Know your identity, because if you don't know your identity, you will lose your purpose. When it comes to our calling and vision, it's critical to remember you and I are the eternal children of God. The great temptation is to sell ourselves short, to see ourselves as merely consumers, that any advertisement works on us, or just business people and whose goal is to make money, or spouses, or providers, or parents. We are to live as if eternity is our destiny. Our worth is because we're made in the image of God. There's nothing else in this world that's in the image of God. Our worth is that Jesus came and died for us and saved us after that image was marred. My, our worth is because God loves us by His grace even as we are, even as He's in the process of remaking us into the image of His Son. We never must forget who we are and invest our time, our gifts, our money, and lives in this strange world as if this world is our home. This world is not our home. You are the new Israel. You are the chosen of God. You are the beloved of the Father. Do not see yourself as anything less than that. Don't sell yourself for some baubles that the world offers you. While we're on the 4th of July, I will quote one of the founding fathers. He was from Virginia, the greatest of all the states. And uh, that's, that's objective. His name was Patrick Henry. You know who Patrick Henry, you know. I used to play Patrick Henry High School. Uh, don't want to talk about that. Anyway, Patrick Henry closed his will with these words. He said, I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There's one more thing I wish I could have given them, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that, and I had not given them one penny, they would be rich. And if they do not have that, and I gave them all the world, they would be poor. That is an eternal perspective. That's the heart of a life with purpose. Nehemiah would not come off the wall. His purpose gave him power. He said, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Four times they said, come down and negotiate. Four times he said, I ain't coming down. You feel the energy in him. You feel the passion that his purpose that God had called him to gave him. I want to tell you something. 
without a purpose, you're easy meat for the devil. You are. Sanballat kept saying, come on down and talk. Come on down, get off the wall and talk to me. I want you to know, purpose kept him up on that wall. Faithfulness to Yahweh kept him up on that wall. You get in trouble when you come down off the wall and start talking to Sanballat. It's Sanballat who will distract you. It is Sanballat who will try to get you to compromise. It is Sanballat who will tempt you. It is Sanballat, it says here, who means you harm. And why didn't he talk to Sanballat? Because it says he knew what Sanballat was up to and he would not come down. He said, I have a great purpose and I'm not coming off the wall. You want to stay faithful to Jesus? Find the great purpose for your life. And don't come down off the wall. As one medical doctor from the University of Vienna wrote, there is something in this world which helps us surmount our, surmount our difficulties, survive disasters, or keeps us healthy and happy. There's one thing. It is the knowledge that our life task is worthy of our devotion, a purpose. We cannot advance in life in, with any buoyancy unless we are sure that where we are going has a destination and that what we are doing has a meaning. When my soul loses its identity, its purpose, when my soul is no longer centered in Christ, I began to define myself by the things that I inevitably will lose. I will define myself by my physical appearance. I used to be good looking, believe it or not. Or by my status. Or by my popularity, which waxes and wanes with every sermon. Or my portfolio. Huge portfolio. And when I lose these, I will lose who I am. You are more than these. You are a light bearer. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a bringer of the kingdom. You are a reflector of the love that made the world. And you are a conveyor of the love that transforms people. Do not confuse making a living with making a life. Do not confuse the citizenships between this world and the next one. Do not confuse kingdoms. Do not confuse purpose with lesser things and a definition of, lesser definition of success. Because Christ's purpose for us, if we find and live that purpose, it helps us overcome pain and disease and the world itself. Ask Nehemiah. He wouldn't come down off the wall. Our purpose must show a broken world that God is real, that grace beats sin every time, that God answers prayer, that the truth matters, that Jesus rose from the dead and lives among us through the Spirit, and the kingdom is here and now, and it's still expanding as we talk, and it cannot be stopped. Can all of us say, I am carrying on a great project. I am part of a great purpose, and I cannot go down. I will not go down. Wilfred Grenfell, a noted missionary, described before an audience the difficulties he had endured on the mission field. He talked about one thing after another, and people were just amazed at what he had suffered. And after he spoke, a woman in the audience said to him, Dr. Granfeld, I'm so sorry you have to go down. You've had to go through so many hardships as a missionary. Your life sounds so tough. 
And Grenfell responded. He said, oh, my dear, you misunderstand me. I wasn't complaining when I described to you the difficulties. He said, I was just describing what I was up against. He said, I have to tell you, I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, if you follow me, you'll be constantly in trouble and you'll have the time of your life. Christ offers you the time of your life. Will you join him in the great purpose for your life? Because you're meant to make a difference. You're meant to make a difference. Where you are, the question is, are you? Are you seeing the world as Christ sees the world? You know, I, Jesus was a person who saw a God-bathed world. He was constantly seeing what other people weren't seeing. And I'd tell you what he's seeing if I could find it. Here it is. <laughs> Did you notice that even the little things? So I have to tell you. My biggest disappointment at times in myself is that I love to cocoon. I love to say, everybody leave me alone. I'm an introvert, and I just, you know, and, and um, it's, it's, it's just, but I, I got to tell you, that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is not everybody leave me alone, or I'm tired. Or I don't want to bother today. Jesus saw a God-bathed world. Did you ever notice that? He, even the smallest things, he saw God in them. He saw women sweeping. That's in Scripture. He saw candles casting light. He used it as a sermon illustration. He saw water bringing life and quenching thirst. He saw yeast leavening bread. He saw the beauty of flowers. Solomon in all his glory couldn't match one of these flowers me and my daddy made. He saw God feeding birds as a reflection of the heart of God. He saw sunsets. He saw the moving of the wind. He saw the grass of the field. We are called to see the world as Jesus saw the world. We're called to love the world as Jesus loved the world. We are called to have the time of our lives as kingdom bringers. Can you say, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. I cannot come down. You won't go down. If you are thrilled with what you're doing, if you feel God using you to make a difference, if you feel the Spirit pouring through you, you won't come down off the wall, and that will protect you in a spiritually toxic atmosphere like we live in now. Do you know how God wants you to influence those around you? Do you know how he wants you to pray? Do you see them through his eyes? Are you a kingdom carrier? Because you were created to change the world, nothing less. Are you ready to change your world? Are you? I'm asking. Okay, there's three of you ready to change the world. I'm really excited about this. Do I hear five? Are there five of you ready to change the world? I'm saying, okay, we're...
We're up to half the group now. Are you ready? Because the Spirit has been given so you can change the world. The truth has been given so you can change the world. The kingdom is coming. Are you going to be a part of it? Or are you going to live in a hole somewhere and say, don't bother me? You can do this because the Spirit will do it through you. You can bring the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't mean to fuss at you because in the first service it was, it was so empty I had to assure the people the rapture had not taken place. I said, look, you're here and the preacher's here. That did not comfort some people at all. We're not sure about, you know. anyway, um, and I told him, I told him, I said, you know, uh, there, there are people not here today because they're getting, they're getting ready for the barbecue this afternoon, and I said, for those people that blew off the church this morning to do the barbecue, there's a bigger barbecue coming for them, and uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, but Jesus calls us not to judge people, and uh, so I, that's a joke. Uh, anyway, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, you, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you do it Jesus' way, in Jesus' power, that's exactly true. It really is. I invite you to live an extraordinary life this morning. Find your purpose. Find the people God wants to touch through you where you are. And it may be feeding a nine-year-old kid that just ripped you off. Or it may be a lonely person at work. It may be, but the, you can bring the kingdom. Bring it. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'd like you to stand. I'd like uh, the intercessors to come forward and the worship team to come forward. I'd like us to worship this final song. Again, for those of you who came on the 4th of July weekend, you get to sit closer to Jesus after the service. And, uh, and let's worship the Lord and we'll pray for anything you need prayer for.
need to do and I get to do this not only as pastor but as father uh, my son Zach is leaving tomorrow to go to Orlando and then after that back to Bogota Colombia where he is a counselor in a Christian school and he's going to probably spend another year there and so uh, uh, tomorrow is goodbye for another six months uh, we prayed for the Joseph and Yvette Jones as we sent them off to Pakistan in the first service I want to pray for my son as we sent him off to Bogota, Colombia. So I'd like Zach to come forward and anybody else that would like to come forward and pray for him. And this, this will be not only a prayer for him, but our benediction. But I'd like us to, uh, to, to lift him up to the Lord. Jesus, I thank you for Zach. Uh, we have been so thrilled the way he has grown up and the young man he has turned into. I'm so proud, Lord. His mother is so proud. Uh, and we pray. We pray that you use him to change that school. Lord, he set things in motion that if they will be followed, it will help families and individuals in that school. We pray for that to happen. We pray, Lord, for his relationships to deepen with the students as he leads them in their spiritual journeys. Help him be the mentor you've called him to be. We pray, Lord, for his therapy as he works with kids who are really troubled and families that are really troubled. 
and are in crisis. Help them, Lord. I, in some of these situations, it will be life and death. Give him wisdom and compassion and power. And Lord, we pray you continue to grow him. Make him a blessing in the church where he's at. Use him with the youth there, Lord. And we thank you that you helped him find this church and how they've wrapped their arms around him. And Lord, how they've blessed him and he's blessed them. We pray for his protection there, Lord. Keep him. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to grow him spiritually and in Spanish and in his therapeutic skills. And Lord, just continue to make him in your image. We thank you, Lord, for Zach. He is a very, very special young man. And Lord, I know that uh, I, I and his mother just could not be prouder. So bless him and use him and glorify yourself through him as he has found his purpose for this next year with you. Bless him in Jesus' name and bless us as we leave this place for your glory. Help us, Lord, to bring the kingdom where we are too. In Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen and amen. Go, go in peace. Glory to God. Glory to God.